Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Highlander cast. Uh, I'm your first host, Vance. Uh, with me, as usual, is Sav. Hello, everyone. Uh, and we have a special guest today, uh, committee member Michael. Do you want to introduce yourself, Michael? Because I don't think you've been on the podcast before. I haven't, no. Uh, so, hi, I'm Michael. Uh, I'm one of your friendly committee members. I've been on the committee, Highlander committee, for a year and a bit now, I think, um, and been playing the format for 10 years. Um, like very keen competitive player, get to every tournament I can go to, and uh, just excited to be here. Yeah, Welcome. and yeah, it's it, it's just over a year because I think I officially stepped down on like thirty June, one July last year, uh, and well, myself and Mulch did, and you and Kate stepped in to uh, replace us. There you go. Uh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, which has been, you know, it's definitely been good for me. <laughs> <laughs> bit of bit of be, being life on... balance, committee life balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, being on the committee is a lot of fun, but um, very interesting. But uh, after a while, it was good to step away because I think I'd been on for ten years, roughly. Long, long time. That's a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So what we're uh, going to do an episode today? Um, I always think it's going to be a short one, but it'll probably take you know forty-five minutes to an hour because. As everyone who listens knows, Sav and I like uh, talking a lot. Uh, and I don't think Michael's different in that respect. I've known had a word or two in my time. <laughs> Next minute, um, it's going to be like a five-hour episode. Yeah. It's a multiplicative um, um, uh, duration. Uh, what we wanted to have a chat about is um, a couple of things. But the main thing we wanted to have a chat about is just sort of the current Highlander metagame, um, recent events, that kind of thing. Um, because as I said in the last episode, I hadn't been to one for a while, but on the weekend I went to a, a large-ish event, or quite large event actually, um, at Jolt Games uh, in Canberra run by Pat, um, which had 70 players, which is, I think it's the biggest event that's ever been in Canberra that wasn't nationals. That has to be true. Yeah, that was massive. Which And, and the event was great. Um, so I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, so there were 70 players, uh, heaps of new players, like... Um, there were seven people down from Bathurst. Uh, there was a couple of cars from uh, Wollongong, a couple of cars down from Sydney. But out of the 70 players, I reckon at least 10 or 15, maybe 20 must have been, you know, this was their first, either their first event or their first kind of big event. Um, you know, first thing bigger than an F&M kind of event. When you said when you said a couple of a couple of cars down from and listed out the various locations, I just heard a couple of cards. And it took me a moment to just kind of register. Oh, yeah, so they're sourcing the cards from... Oh, no, no, cars. Each car carrying, you know, four to five players. It's it's a lot of players travelling in. Yeah, yeah. So there was... Um, from Bathurst, I think it was seven people uh, in two cars. Uh, only 50% of them were in a car that hit a kangaroo. Wow. Um, That's rough. Was there half a person in each car? Was there half a person in each car? Like three and a half, three and a half people hit a kangaroo? <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure, why not? Um, I'm sure that's how that worked. But no, that was great. I, I had uh, good conversations with, with a number of people about uh, you know being excited for the format, um, being excited for their first event, and just um, had that great uh, you know community vibe going where everyone was happy to be there. Um, people were, I mean, you know, magic players, they get salty sometimes when they lose, but there was very little of that, and people were mostly just, having a really good time and really enjoying themselves and being uh, 
very friendly and um, yeah, great time. And uh, Pat great. puts on a good event, so that's also big positive. It sounded like a really good event from from what I had read. Yeah, how sad I couldn't make it. it looked awesome. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure the only person we had up from Melbourne was uh, Graham. Yeah, I believe so. Um, who. Uh, I think there's just a rule that if there's a Highlander event on, you have to find a way for him to be there. That's true. If, if Graham's <laughs> not there, the Highlander event doesn't happen. That's just, just how it is. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, it doesn't count nexus. as an interstate event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's great. What about you, Sav? I think you went to an event recently as well. Yeah, we had an event uh, down in South Australia. Uh, it was a local event. So, you know, just um, SA locals, uh, 20 players, it was held at Dragon's Lair St. Mary's, uh, which is kind of just south of the city. And um, it, was a, it was a weird event, like a great event, but it was a weird metagame. So when we start talking metagames, we'll talk about that. Um, but prior, prior to that, I just thought it was great to have um, in-store Eternal play again, like, like we were talking about in the last, last uh, episode of the podcast. It's got really, really quiet in many states. Uh, not all of them, many states, and SA is probably one of the quietest, or one of the one of those that kind of just got hit harder, I think, than the others. Um, and we've owned, this was basically the second event, second Highlander event uh, since COVID <laughs> uh, that that you know actually um, uh, has has a turnout. You know, we had we had events here and there uh, with people kind of um, you know. Uh, scrounging together f- four players and and you know just you know one thing leading to another and and people not really feeling comfortable which is totally understandable um, and then kind of events getting cancelled and yeah it's it's just um, it has been difficult to run events and so seeing a an event um, you know kind of get get off to the races finally uh, has been really exciting because we had um, a dragon's lair. Uh, in Salisbury, run a twenty-something uh, person event, uh, which I missed. Uh, it's geographically very far away for me. Uh, and then a month later, getting Dragon's Lair in St Mary's, running one with twenty players, and so that I'm, I think this is the sign, you know, that that things, you know, we may not be out of the woods fully, but it's really a good sign of recovering, um, uh, you know, play in in our area. Uh, and on that note, being able to see lots of familiar faces, but also like you were saying uh, with new players, I got to see a lot of brand new faces as well amongst those 20, which is really, really great. Meeting some new people and remembering people's names. That's hard. Uh, remembering oh, so <laughs> hard. lots of people's names. Uh, I remember the names of people that I play because I write it down on my book. Maybe I should write that down when I meet people and just have, you know, every time I meet someone, I'll write my name and their name and put 20 and 20 underneath each of those. And, I, and then I'll remember, I'll remember the people that I meet. Um, so when, when, when uh, I, I met a few people, I did hear um, shout outs to all the people that um, mentioned the podcast. Uh, there were quite a few people and, and, and I was, you know, um, surprised and humbled maybe by it, uh, you know, simultaneously that um, people were keen. They were really, really happy to hear uh, the podcast for inexplicably they were happy to hear our voices again which is uh, i don't know if you want my voice in your living room or your or your um your car uh so got some really nice nice comments and feedback from um from community members so shout outs to um to everyone who uh 
uh, greeted me and talked about the podcast uh, over that event. Uh, yeah, I'll throw to Michael in a second, but uh, same. I had a number of people, um, some of the new people, some of the older people who said, some of the new people who said, you know, they got into the format and they found a podcast and they'd started listening to it and they were really glad to see that a new episode had popped up. Like there's the people who'd started listening, I don't know, five or six weeks ago and binged their way through. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> That's impressive. And, yeah, and, and some older players as well who were like, oh, yeah, it was really great to see a new episode. So thanks. That does, uh, to everyone who said that, that does, you know, improve our motivation to keep cracking on because this sort of thing is, it's a labor of love, but it's mm-hmm. still a labor. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but Michael, what about you? What events have you been into in the last couple of months? That's interesting. So I haven't. We haven't had a lot of local events in Melbourne. I think part of it is the like the RCQ RC series has poached a lot of people's weekends. Um, mm, so yeah. we don't get a lot of like small problem. Saturday events anymore. Um, but we do have like a, a fairly large weekly Wednesday night event at Pog. I think we can get up to like twenty five players some nights, which is awesome. So I've been playing that a bunch. Uh, the last big event I played, I think, was at the RC itself. So the regional championships in Sydney, which would be a bit over a month ago now, I think. Yep. Um, so that was the last big event I played. Uh, otherwise, it's just been FMs for me. But the, that event was awesome. I, th- I can't remember how many players we had now, but it would have been 40-ish. It's long enough ago that I've forgotten the exact number. Um, but I had a really good time there. I think, again, same thing. Like It was good to see people, people come out. Everyone's excited to play Highlander. I think even at the at the local like FNM equivalents we have on a Wednesday, there's 20 people, but every week there's someone I've never met before. There's a new player, someone with the first event, as well as former stalwarts. I think we had Carl Ayrton up to one you know, a couple months ago. That was that was exciting. Oh, that's a name from the past. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I, someone I, I highlight a thought I haven't seen in literally six years. So, no, it's, it's cool to see people come, come down. Going back to my event... Um bit of a summary on how I went. I went. Uh, not great, I guess, is the overall. Uh, my estimate is that in every match uh, of the seven I played, the person who had played the most Highlander in the last six months won. So <laughs> I beat three people who it was their first event, and then I lost to four people who played a lot more than me more recently. <laughs> that, that's a good uh, a good celebration of the format, though, right? This, yeah. This that's format's right. about skill, turns out. <laughs> that's a good sign. <laughs> But as I said, everyone, you know, had a fabulous time. Um, and there were quite a few people there who were on um, eight-point lists. So, you know, obviously some of the newer players uh, were. Some some of them weren't. Some of them, um, I think the Bathurst group, I think it was the Bathurst group, who um, had been playing Canadian Highlander, but then that kind of, um, they'd been doing that for a while. And then the store they were doing that at closed, I think one of them was saying, and so they're like, I guess we should try the format where there's other players in the country. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, love our cousins from the north, but um, I prefer the 60-card version. But, you know. I really like sideboards, I would other. tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. I'm, I'm a big fan of sideboards. But uh, anyway. Um, but yeah. before you jump onto people, the meta, on... I'll, mention, I'll mention something about that as well. The, um, oh, yeah, go for it. The, the um, no reserve lists. The we, we had the same experience. So over here, we've had uh, quite a few new players. Um, the new players are sleeving up decks or getting handed... One, one of the really important things is getting handed decks from people who are established in the community... Uh, have the you know the passion motivation and uh, you know to do deck building and brewing but might not own heaps of jewels you know they have a, have their Highlander deck 
So that that's the one that they've got jewels in. Uh, and so then they're brewing with other decks and then lending to a friend. And so the, so even the decks being... Uh, it, it has increased the number of decks that people are lending out to friends as well because you don't need to be, uh, you know, a Highlander stalwart that has, has you know, 50, 50 copies of every single card so you can make 50 different decks. Um, yep. So I thought that was that was really cool, um, and the uh, my expectation was that the no reserve list decks would be somewhat homogeneous, and you would see quite a few Blood Moon and and that kind of thing. Uh, but that didn't happen, and that was across both of the recent events in South Australia. There were there were like uh, black white hate bears, and you know some other decks that I just thought. This is cool. This is really good. There was um there was also a combo deck uh, that used Hermit Druid, and its point configuration was just literally impossible to play the deck if it didn't have that additional point. If if it was a seven point list, you it it wouldn't function. It didn't have the combo pieces to, to function. So um, I don't it's know the cool. list. Oh, it, it was it was one that uh, I don't believe it got to the top eight. Um, I, th- I think they went um, two and two and two or what two and three, whatever it was. Um, but I just remember seeing the list and and um, and going, ah, oh, this could not exist if it wasn't for no reserve list bonus point. This wouldn't exist. I I, I loved it. Love it. Um, all right, let's start talking about the meta. I'll throw to Michael first because I think you've been uh, heavily involved. I mean, as a committee member, you would have been heavily involved in. Um, looking at the results of all of these, but I think also you've been uh, working with Graham on a lot of the tracking spreadsheets and stuff. Yeah, sure have. Um, Metagame-wise, it's kind of interesting. There's a couple of things that stand out as really powerful things to be doing, um, but nothing super clearly better than anything else. Um, so there's a best combo deck, or two prob- prob- probably looking at, which is either probably Breach and then Time Walks, if you count that as a combo deck, which it kind of is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um but there's also uh, a blue-red tempo deck, um, which is a very, basically burn. It's a very, very aggressive linear deck with a little bit of interaction. Uh, and then a like aggro-slash-prison deck in Initiative Moonshine. Um, yep. And then Walks is feeling in that mid-range spot, because while it is a combo deck, it's plan A is mid-range most of the time. Um so th- that's that's like the broad like top level metagame, and then Jund is the the next it comes to the next spot is Jund and Mono Red. I think are the next like most played successful decks just just to mm-hmm. set below. Um, yeah. So a- Although, um, as a caveat to all of that, is always that uh, the sample size of players is not that yeah. big. So yeah, was- you know, half half the Jund decks are the same person, <laughs> for instance. That's, that's what I was going to say. It's like that, that's what's like doing well, um, and that broad difference. I think those are the decks that I would expect like very competitive players to pick from if they're coming to a tournament perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's those decks make up less than 60% of the top metagame, I would say. And there's yeah. at every event, there's some cool thing that I hadn't seen before that someone's played and done well and tested with as well. So it's like, certainly it's not a solved metagame. Those things are really good. Uh, and even the decks that, uh, doing something else or leaning on parts of that shell or parts of that interaction, whether it's like the blue red Ragavan shell or other specific pieces. Um, so there's like a clear core of what's really good. Uh, but there's a lot of room to experiment 
around that and people are clearly doing different stuff and having success as we saw i think at the uh the canberra last weekend it was like mm-hmm. very different set of stuff up top tables there so well, i can yeah, corroborate i can corroborate that jund uh thing as well uh, as a um a player from a mid-range capital i think i wonder if, when, is it toowoomba or adelaide that's the mid-range capital of <laughs> of highlander um which is love our mid-range uh it's interesting to see that in the past jund has been like a cool choice and option as a mid-range player to play and instead people were playing junk and band and all these other kind of different mid-range mid-range brews four color obviously is you know always in the mix uh but of the speaking just from the most recent event uh the jund decks comprised uh a quarter of the top eight meta and they were like a very small number in the tournament they had an incredibly good conversion rate and they were the only mid-range decks to get to uh the top eight and they were the deck that won <laughs> so yeah. Jund, Jund has really shown its colors as a um, you know a consistent mid-range uh, choice if you had to sleeve up one of the mid-range decks and you just didn't not didn't care and you just want to play the the one that gets the best conversion that's the one what I was going to say was uh, there's still as you were saying Michael a lot of room for people to you know innovate and maneuver around um, the format the the winner in Canberra was I mean, the finals were split, but I, I think they played the last game anyway. And the winner was on mono white with a bunch of uh, anti-red hate pieces in the board, you know, core firewalkers yep. and um, sanctifiers and stuff. Because uh, Will read the metagame well and was like, there's going to be a lot of people playing red here. I'm going to play this, you know, uh, taxes-y kind mm-hmm. of mono white deck and yeah. did really well with it. This deck sweet as it was a dust ball in it, in it I saw, which is a card I haven't seen in a very oh. long time. Nice. <laughs> uh, but like, I, I think someone literally was talking to me about building this deck on a Wednesday, like, very weeks ago. And I was like, it seems cool. Uh, have you considered looking at this Moonshine list for inspiration? I probably would want to lean that way. Uh, maybe maybe Mono White isn't the way to go. What, what do I know? Mono White's great, turns out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good read of the metagame. Like, that's, that's such a good sign of... Um, you know, a, a deep understanding of what's good right now, and people aren't playing. I mean, like not not just what's good, not just sleeve up Jund or something. It was incredibly good read, very well done. Yeah, I'm actually just looking at the list now in the spreadsheet. Let's see. I'm looking at the list here, but like, it's like that, that mono white list is new. Uh, that Grixis list is like not the newest deck of all time, but this build of it is new and it hasn't had a lot of success recently. Um, so that that's kind of cool, and then uh, otherwise we've seen some reasonably simple systems. Not the Omnath deck that came eighth. I think James was playing is a very is not the combo deck. It's a different build again. So it's like a little bit of variation here, or even if it's all along the same themes. So which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, James. I played James in the fifth round, I think, or the fourth round, um, and I got just obliterated in one of the games by Aragorn, King of Gondor. I th- I think when they, that card got spoiled and I was like, this might mm-hmm. be the best card in the set. Everyone's sleeping on it. Uh, I was sleeping on the ring. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> oops. <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> that aside, I think Aragorn is really, really good and people just like haven't played with it enough to realize how powerful it is because you cannot beat that yeah. card in play. Uh, if it stays in play, it's, it's a, a nightmare. As it's pretty new, I'll just go through it. So it's 
uh, one blue, red, white um, for a Vigilance lifelink 4-4. When Aragorn comes into play, you become the Monarch. So it's going to draw you at least one card. Um, and when Aragorn attacks, up to one creature can't block this turn. If you're the Monarch, creatures can't block this turn. <laughs> it's like, so, so if you've seen Battleskull, what if you gave Battleskull the Monarch and unblockable? Is that good? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it costs the mana less? If they keep Aragorn in play, it's really easy for them to take the Monarchy back because they can make at least one of your creatures unable to block. And if they are still the Monarch, like, you might just die. Um... And certainly you're going to die over not very many turns because they'll have other creatures out and they can just be like, okay, I'm going to swing for 10 and I'm going to gain four life and I'm going to draw a card. It's Go. just so insane. Like if you, if, if you remove it immediately, they still draw a card because they get the Monarch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you don't remove it immediately, you can't attack into it because like you can't race it. It's got lifelink and vigilance. And vigilance. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can't like, you can't hold the Monarch. If you just take the Monarch back off them, you know, you attack with two, three, threes, you, they gain a life. Uh, and then they attack back and take the monarch back because you can't block because you need to have two more blockers back. So you just like yeah. kind of get the monarch back. You the worst thing you can do is like trade creatures into this stupid four four to <laughs> to, to try and draw a card each. It's just unreal, unreal. Yeah, and good good luck to all the players who play mid range or, or don't play mid range, sleeve up a mid range deck and go, wow, there's so much math in here. It's like I'm playing limited. And then you play, then you're faced with that card and you go. Okay, so the the life swing and then the card swing and the uh, number of blockers I and what I can I, no, it's just it's too much, it's too, too much to think about. This the is, downside is this... it is blue and red and four mana, so it gets blasted off the stack yeah. just fine. Um, See, it, interesting but... how like in the in the past we were like the downside is this card is four mana, and nowadays we're like the upside is this card is four mana, right? The 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 sheer number of powerful four mana creatures uh the the four ma the four drop slot is so glutted with the with the choices that we actually get to choose which ones our best four drops are whereas in the past it was like uh there is this four drop head and shoulders above the rest it's called jace the mind sculptor this is the, absolutely the best four drop that ever will be printed nothing will beat this four drop remember if you wanted to point Cass? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That's the era, you know. Oh, you know that, is, uh... Wow, there's another four drop that's that's it's as good as Jace the Mind Sculptor. I think I think these two are the one point cards. We've come a long way. <laughs> it's, wow. Yeah. Um, uh, on on that on a design note, I do I do like that um, Wizards has changed shifted gears from printing absolutely broken undercosted cards. You know, in the past it was one drops and two drops. These are all the incredibly pushed one drops and two drops. So you're no longer playing your Zergo Bell Strikers. You're now playing your Ragavan variant variants. Uh, so many good turn one plays. Uh, so it pushed the format into that to be decided within the first turn. You know, for who who got the one drop, one drop, two drop, uh, and the other person didn't get the one drop, two drop. The now they've gone. Okay, let's just overpower the other slots. So they're you know, making making the four drops overpowered. Uh, so maybe the entire format's power level will be pushed to a point that eventually they'll be, we'll be laughing at five drops now, and then in the future they'll just print these insane five drops and six drops, and maybe the format will change in another completely unpredictable direction. Yeah, it like... out the, the solution to Ragavan isn't to make Ragavan less good. It's to print things that are so powerful that the opponent's two on Ragavan doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly Gross. right. 
the way yeah, that we the like way that, that we laughed at people <laughs> when we're thinking about you know nah nothing will ever be better than Jason Mind Sculptor that's the best premiere four drop card we're we're gonna be like we're gonna like make a hot take now. So that later on you can say, look, I called it. You know, I was the person with a tinfoil hat saying this ridiculous idea. You know, seven drops are going to be the greatest in the format. And the entire game is decided by what seven drops you play. And, you know, (laughs) you can point back to the back in episode, this episode. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, (laughs) Look, there are definitely a lot of unfortunately pushed cards at all sorts of levels there's a lot of four drops recently uh one of which uh was also in the same set as aragorn or aragorn mm-hmm. might have been a commander set but in approximately the same set as aragorn um and costs four colorless and draws uh all of the cards mm-hmm. um what are your thoughts on the one ring i think yeah. i i went out and said before like i slept on it i was like i don't know it's like i guess it's better than painful truths like i'll probably play it um <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I may have been a bit wrong um, the card's really good. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I underrated it. I underrated it uh, until I reread, uh, probably on the I don't know seventh reading when I reread and actually registered the fog turn. Prior to that, everything else I was like, oh, cool, cool commander card. You know, this is going to be played in lots of commander decks. Uh, and I and I had to keep like, there's something. What? So so you get protection. Right, so so basically the downside of playing a four drop and passing the turn and saying I'm going to be so far ahead next turn if I get to my next turn and I stabilize, uh, that that thing is irrelevant. The fact that you literally can play a four drop and pass a turn and then plan to untap and do you do the fun stuff, do the powerful stuff, that that singular line of text. Oh, it's probably multiple lines. Uh, that that line of text. <laughs> that that line of text is what absolutely breaks this card. It's, that's that's my thought. Uh, if you took that line of text away, we would be going, oh, cool cool commander card. You know, that's going to pop up in commander decks like um, like other things that get printed and then another set will release something else and that'll pop up in commander decks. Uh, but yeah, that, that line of text is what defines that card. It, it, it's insane. So I, I was always looking at, looking at it as like, well, it puts you under this pretty significant clock on your own. And mm. it does get spell pierced. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing <laughs> yep, that I the, the thing that I missed was uh, I just like scan read over indestructible. It's like yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, that actually matters mm. quite a lot <laughs> um, mm. because the reason I like wrote it off initially was like, well, it's not going to do a bunch of stuff in a bunch of matchups, right? Like, I was like, well, if you're if you're like dying on board and then you play it, then your opponent just makes you even more dead on board and they kill you the turn after, or. Mm. Um, you, you get spell pierced and you just die, uh, and that is like maybe in some matchups is really bad. But the reason it's so absurd is like if your opponent isn't just killing you on board, and your opponent isn't gonna counter it off the stack, there's nothing they can do. Mm. <laughs> they just play it and you have protection, and then two, three times down the line, you're up so many cards that you can find a yeah. way to k- remove your own ring, and it doesn't matter. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my opponents on the weekend, uh activated Mount Doom and threw the ring into it and blew up my board. Wait, really? That's a, that's a flavor win. Amazing. Yeah, massive flavor win. Yeah. yeah. Do uh, they win I don't the know game? if you've seen... Because, no, I think do. they deserve to win because of that. Nah. I, I think you just <laughs> they, concede to them and you just won on flavor. <laughs> they, they did not win the game, but it was a game where I was 
miles ahead. And then they pay, played the ring and, you know, fogged me for a turn and they had three extra cards and used those to kill most of my board and then I rebuilt and then they played Mount Doom and threw the ring into it and blew up the rest of my board. And, you know, I still managed to win, but um, it was a big uphill struggle. I think one of the things really important about the ring is, like, it's... It might be people have been watching other magic, but it is, like, taking over modern completely. Uh, but one of the reasons that it's different in our format is you can only play one. And that actually matters a lot here, because in modern, the play pattern is you draw ten cards with your ring, uh, and you take, you take six life, and then you play your second ring and don't activate it. And it's a, it's, it's a second fog that takes away the downside. Like, you can't do that in Highland. You have to go through a couple more hoops to get it out of play so it doesn't kill you. And getting out of play, the primary plan probably is to kill your opponent. Um, but, like, it's not free. There, There is some cost associated with it that doesn't exist in other formats because you can't just Legend Rule it away. Yeah, that's right. Like, you can still, you know, welder it or whatever, but that's a lot more effort and a lot more vulnerable. You certainly can. You just have to, like, put a little... I mean, like, I'm sure people are going to be picking it up with their Teferi all the time. But, like, there, there are ways to get out of play, just a little bit more effort. There are ways of getting it out of play that aren't just extra redundancy to the plan of using it to draw a pile of cards. So true. So, so what were the what were the stats on the one ring from that uh, seventy person, or or just the combined meta? I mean, Michael has a way better uh, perspective uh, on the meta game. What 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 are the numbers on so it? There's there's seven in the top sixteen, um, which is mm. quite a lot. Uh, I actually I'm I'm not actually certain how many there are total. Give me a second and I'll tell you. No worries. Uh, well, in that second, there, there I were was... 24. 24? Okay. So there's um, yeah, 24 total, <laughs> 7 in the top 16, So, which is slightly above expected for conversion rate. Yeah, a card that could fit, you know, theoretically can fit into any deck. Um, practically doesn't necessarily, but theoretically can. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely had uh, at least two people at the event that I went to come up to me, and within the first, I'd say, 10 seconds of talking with them, they said something like, so the one ring is going to one point, right? <laughs> like, I can neither oh. confirm nor deny. <laughs> uh, I think that was about 20% of the conversations I had right. the um, And another 5% were, maybe they should just put it straight to two points. <laughs> this feels very reminiscent of the conversations I was having about Minskambu. It's that Minskambu, yes. we had that conversation a month after it didn't get pointed because we didn't have a lot of time. And this, t- this yeah, time, yeah. we've got a little bit more time and people are looking at that card uh, and squinting a little bit. <laughs> yep, so true. Um, so the so we, we had the discussion of... of uh, uh, was it that event that you, that you were talking about? I'm just, check, just making sure I keep track of uh, which events we're, we're talking about in metagames. I can talk about our local metagame. If, if that's topical. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to mention, just uh, again from the, the Ken Brawl event, is just some of the cards that had very high conversion rates. Mm, um, yes, yeah, please do. In, into the top 16. So, so just looking at the numbers, um, there was obviously a number of decks. I, I think a lot of these were um, the Grixis decks because there was one in the top 8 and I think there was a couple more in the top 16 um, that had... Dreadhawk, Arcanist, Murktide, Regent, Snapcaster Mage as a package because those all were, um, you know, very good conversion I, I rates. I think there were Blue Moon decks in the top six. Oh, there was a Grixis out of Blue Moon. Okay, sure. 
Yeah, and yeah, a run, yeah. and, and like not not on the same deck list, but like that blue red X mid range archetype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because the other ones that both have a significant number of copies played and um, a very good conversion rate, you've in the top sixteen, you've got um, you know Force of Will, Lutri, Ragavan all did very well. Um, there were twelve Ragavans in the top sixteen, um, which is quite a few. There was um, also forty played for the record. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, <laughs> absolutely. So you know, it's not that far above what you'd expect, but um, it, it is a lot. Uh, Minsk and Boo, comparatively poorly um, compared to those. Like it still had four copies in the top sixteen, and I don't know how many in the top eight offhand. Uh, two in the top eight, so you know, did fine. Um, but uh, yeah, Ragavan had a lot of copies. How many Minsk and Boos were there in the event? Um, he says with the spreadsheet open, but unable to spot. It. <laughs> Nineteen. 19. So it was like the third most played pointed card, I believe. Yeah. Behind Ragavan that... and Force of Will. Oh, yeah, that checks out. Oh, yeah, I yeah. found that column now. Yep. Card's great. Yeah. So, card is really good. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, I, I played Minsk and Boo, and uh, in the couple of games where I managed to get it in play and not have it immediately die, uh, my opponent very rapidly died. Mm hmm. Um, yep. I did have a I did have a 10-10 boo attacking at one point. That's definitely the script of. You, you uh, didn't want to draw seven cards. cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because if I attacked with it, my opponent just died. That's so. reasonable. No, but don't you want to play with your food? <laughs> <laughs> your hamster food? <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, yeah, one thing I was interesting about Canberra is like. There's a couple of cards that have been like in discussion for like maybe coming down a point because they're not as good as they used to be. Uh, one of the big ones is Snap Custom Age, um, mm-hmm. but also people I heard a lot of talk about uh, both Balance and Treasure Arcanist from time to time of like these cards mm-hmm. aren't worth a point anymore. People aren't playing mm-hmm. them, uh, and at least in this event, people did and they won. Um, <laughs> and the, there, yeah. there were only there were only like. Not a huge number of them, but I think it was eleven copies each of Snapcasters and Dreadhorde, or maybe slightly fewer of Dreadhorde. So it, it was uh, nine Snapcasters and seven Dreadhordes, and yeah. four of the Dreadhordes made the top sixteen. Yeah, like and four of the Snapcasters. Yeah, like they're some of the best performing points. Uh, Balance also, mm-hmm. I think, two of the six copies played. Like, a there were six copies played, which is awesome, but also two, yeah. two of them top sixteen. So I mean, like this, this is uh, obviously a different metagame than what we've seen in other places, but like these mm-hmm, cards yeah. are still doing things, and you can win with them. Please give it a go. Two, two of the um, balances were in um, a, a second sunrise in second sunrise decks that had been independently developed. One by uh, Ben Hewitt um, from uh, Wollongong, who I played in the last round, and like that match was a delight. I got absolutely obliterated by his Caracas. <laughs> That'll happen, <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had I had one of those hands where you're like, oh yeah, this is great. I've got you know some land and a mox diamond, and then I can go like you know Laelia and Nissa and Minsk and Boo and whatever. And he plays a crack, and I was like, oh, none of the cards in my hand have text anymore. <laughs> I, I I have been looking at Ben's deck because it's so cool. There's a Lotus yeah. Field and a Lotus Fail in his deck. It's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, love it. Um, as I say, that deck was an absolute delight to play against. I mean, as playing against Ben always is, um, but uh, it was beautiful. Um, but yeah, it, it's great, as you say, to see some cards like Balance that 
haven't been having uh, a lot of popularity recently get some love and do well. Yeah, I think one of the one of the uh, challenges for uh, players when evaluating evaluating cards, evaluating what they want to play, evaluating decks, all these kind of things, evaluating rules, uh, is the um, the shadow of the former self. You know, they see Snapcaster Mage. Snapcaster Mage was the best one point card. Absolutely, like un- undeniably. Uh, there was a period where it was the best. Then there was a period where Wasteland was the best one-point card. And um, when players see it played less, or they are making decisions around, uh, well, I'm not going to play Snapcaster Mage. I'm going to play a different point in its place for my for my deck. There's an immediate assumption that because it's not as good as it used to be, it deserves to be depointed. And that's just not how the logic works. Yeah, <laughs> like, I now have to consider whether I place the place major in my, in my blue decks. Yeah. So that makes it bad. Like people are not playing it anymore. Therefore, the cards are bad. It's like, well, <laughs> no. uh... this is this is a great place for Snapcaster to be. It's actually an incredibly safe one point card. Like if you want to look at cards that are probably not going to change relatively soon. Um, I'm not going to speak. Uh, you know, ready to eat my eat my words. You know, um, then. The cards that are probably going to be relatively stable are cards that are a decision on whether or not you will play it. And if you decide to play it, they perform well. And if you don't decide to play it, you haven't made an egregious mistake in deck building. So those cards, that's where Snapcaster is sitting right now. And and that's great. Yeah. And I think one of the other things that also happens quite a bit is, you know, you're one of the very regular players from Melbourne who goes to, you know, 15 or 20 person FNM every week or from Canberra who goes to the Monday night things at Jolt and it's, yeah, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 players, whatever. You're mostly playing with the same people and you can easily get in, you know, uh, a degree of groupthink where everyone there is like, well, I wouldn't play balance at one point. And so people are like, well, no one should play it at one point. Therefore, you know, as discussed. Um, But you get people coming from some... um, uh, less regular playgroups or smaller meta games, um, who are trying different things, and sometimes it works great, and sometimes it doesn't work so great. Mm-hmm. It's like I think the thing with Highlander as a format, right? It's like the meta game's never going to get solved, right? Like you, you want you come up with a cool new deck in in modern or whatever, and you sit down, and it takes a hundred matches to tune that deck to a point where it's like really, really good and competitive. And then, you know, if you've got the reach of someone like Spike, they can play their deck and they can share it and stream it. And then three people will pick it up and they'll tune it. And then over the course of a thousand matches and 15 players, you'll get a tier one deck that'll turn up. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. People don't just like, unless you're like a pro to a testing team, you don't turn up with like a fully tuned tier one deck ready for an event. Uh, and even if even if you are a pro to a testing team, like there are plenty of times where um, you know Team Channel Fireball or whatever has turned up with a deck that turned out to be just. Oh no! To, to be clear, they don't always oh, do that, but they sometimes do. <laughs> but they sometimes do. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Agree. Agree. Uh, and that, like, as an individual player, like you cannot get enough magic in, but t- as it is, and like you, particularly for Highlander, like you can't just play ten leagues in a day on magic online at high that's not a thing that's available to you there isn't enough games to to like solve the format because you can't get enough information 
you can't you just can't get enough testing or wide enough testing and so the metagame is always going to be a little bit unknown and there's always going to be room to surprise people but also there's going to be like the decks that exist and are tested are gonna be better than the thing you come up with for like months of play you know my, my example is like I, I designed time walks it took me I think eight months of refining that deck before I got it to a point where it could actually win an event. Like you could look at my first list from like, I don't know, a year and a half ago now. And it was real bad. <laughs> it, it, it did powerful things sometimes. And it lost a lot of games because it did nothing. Over the course of an event. Um, so uh, again, over the course of the event on the weekend, I was playing um, red green monsters. Uh, Cause I enjoy it. Um, and there were some cards in there that had been suggested by other people, some of which I think are great, some of which less great, but also some of which I put into play zero times over the course of the weekend. Um, I know, uh, I think it's Deep Root Wayfinder. Uh, I drew once and I conceded the turn I drew it because uh, oh no, I played it and immediately died yeah. um, and then I conceded. Um, and then I think there's, yeah, Nissa I drew once in a game where my opponent had a Caracas and I'm like, I'm sure this card is good. <laughs> it's not <But>. good here. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no testing evidence because I've had it in play zero times. Yeah, and that's another thing of like cards, like just because singleton formats, like even yeah. games are different, so you need more games of any match, any of any given like matchup to know if it's good. That just yeah, yeah. There's always going to be that high level of unknown, and that's what I think what makes it kind of fun is you don't have these solved decks, and you know there are people, there are four or five decks. I think Kate's blue red decks another example of like something that's been really well tested by a bunch of people. Mm-hmm the initiative deck as well that like people are settling on like an optimal list for that now but that's taken eight months Mm -hmm. and if you have something you think is really cool and is working out like give it another go tinker with it maybe you'll get there or maybe you won't and that's okay too but if you're having fun with it like it doesn't mean it's bad just because you can't win immediately yeah and look it also does help um if you're unlike me and you you know read all the cards before you put them in your deck because i certainly uh, across the first couple of rounds, uh, discovered several additional lines of text on uh, Delayed Blast Fireball, which is a card a bunch of people had recommended I put in my sideboard. Mm. The card's great. And at first I'm like, oh, this, this card seems fine. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it only damages your opponent's creatures. No, it deals damage to your opponent. Oh, it only damages your opponent's creatures. And then uh, at one point, one of my opponents thought sees me and said, I'm surprised you didn't cast that in response. And I'm like, what? It's an instant. Oh, have you haven't got to the secret line of text where you cast it off your Lelia or your opponent dies? Yes, yes, I never had that opportunity. Because that, that one's good. Because you're like, wait, wait, it doesn't say from wait, from, from Fortel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just from Exile. Yep. But, oh, that's uh, great. That card is like it's so much better than every version of that effect we've ever had by yep. such a long way. It's kind yeah, it's of just, unreal. It's just volcanic fallout, right? Like it's just. Yeah, it's just a little bit better than that, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit better on a couple of axes. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, do we have anything else we want to discuss? We've been going for <laughs> oh, actually, 45 I'll, minutes. I'm yeah, sure we could I'll, keep going. I'll, we could keep going, but I'll briefly mention the the nonsense metagame that turned out in South Australia. Because oh, yep, yep. it's weird. It's, it's, it's weird enough to, um, to, worthy of men- to be worthy of mention. Um, and... I, I know that for for the locals, you know, we all know that we love our mid-range. For those who are outside of SA, you've probably seen 
the various tournament reports and noticed that there's often junk or you know some other some other entirely fair archetype that just consistently wins the events or you know at least rises to the top and most of the top eight will be you know mid-range or you know fair decks pretty much um so let me let me just mention that our recent event had jund and jund as the fair decks and then 50 percent of the top eight were combo <laughs> so, someone someone yeah. finally brought their combo cards to teach you guys a lesson so so that's the funny <laughs> part right i thought i was that guy right i was i i was like ah, oh, i don't want to play against the initiative i don't want to have to build the initiative to play against the initiative i don't want to have to like do these you know grind fests to who can like get the mechanic, like the monarch or the initiative that suddenly steamrolls the other person. And uh, I can't be bothered. I'm just going to play Storm. And so I I dusted off uh, the Storm deck that I've had on the shelf that I've been meaning to play for forever and a day. And I have it fully sleeved up, uh, ready to go. And all I needed to do was, I believe, change one, one card uh, based on the last pointing decisions. Uh, which allowed me to put uh, put breach in, so oh, yeah. I just played uh, Lotus Breach, and otherwise the rest of it is relatively conventional Storm. The only difference are playing a couple more cantrips than usual because I couldn't obtain a Reign of Filth, uh, and I also didn't want to tell people I was trying to find a Reign of Filth because that kind of defeated the whole purpose. Because I was so smart, I'm going to be the one person to play combo at this event, um, and so I rock up and people are like, "Oh, what are you playing this time?" And I'm like, "Oh, you'll see." You'll see, you know, and they're all expecting some generic variation of a tempo mid-range or tempo mid-range or tempo uh, combo hybrid or something, right? The typical decks that I play. Uh, and uh, I go, you know, my, my opening hand at this, this event uh, uh, is something like terrible tapped land that sacrifices for other colours, you know, my first two turns at, at the event is like some reader that my opponent has to lean over and go like, it does what? Oh, okay, it's a land, right? Okay, um, and then uh, and then like you know, turn three, Gataxian probe, and then going, okay, pull out the notepad. Storm counts one, and they're like, what? Uh, and I think I'm so smart here. I've I've I storm off, uh, f- finish it off, start shuffling up, turn to my side, look uh, on one side of me, someone's playing Flash. Uh, across from me, someone is playing Doomsday. Uh, and then I hear, I hear like over across the other side of the room, um, someone, and it was probably Raj going like thoracle trigger. Uh, and I'm like, wait, what? I just had, I was so zoned into what I was doing because I thought that I was the combo. Like I, I'll be the person that can ignore everyone else. Turns out everyone yeah. else wants to ignore everyone else in the room and, and multiple matches that I had. Uh, over the course of the day, were two ships in the night as we both did our thing. Um, you know, often with a thought seize, and then I'm like, okay, do my thing. And likewise, other persons like, uh, you know, Cataxian Probe or thought seize, or, you know, mana drain your thing, go to their turn, untap, and they start doing their thing. Um, and the top eight, so the top eight was, um, so yeah, two, two Juns, uh, a blue moon deck, a, a rug, a rug like aggro um, uh, tempo deck. Uh, and then it was, so let's see, 
that that's all the, the the boring stuff. We'll skip over that. Let's go to the interesting stuff. So second place is Raj on uh, Grix Historical. Third place is me on Will Breach Storm. Fourth place is Sock on. Uh, it says Doomsday, but let me tell you, it's not. It's not just Doomsday. It was uh, Paradise Mantle, Pure Sight, Marrow. Um, to like do a make your own make your own tainted pack like DIY tainted packs um, and then uh, uh, in fifth place was uh, Zach on a Flash Hulk um, Arena and Academy Rector deck it was so much more than that it was it was putting in variants of like omniscience like the not the not good omniscience as well was in there uh, that is basically omniscience or better when you when you flash uh, and uh, Zach called it uh, tight fit, which was funny, like like Nick fit. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, the under under uh, ninth onwards, were, there was a hermit druid deck. Uh, that that one Russell Cutting was playing the bizarre hermit druid, uh, only viable in eight points. Anyway, you get you get the point. the The com- combo was basically half the room, and it was half the top eight as well. Um, and it was absolutely hilarious to see that of all the decks that we brought, uh, everyone else had exactly the same idea as me, right? Everyone else was just as much a genius as I was, which means I'm not a genius, right? Like (laughs) we're all like, oh yes, our diabolical plans. (laughs) Um, and, and guess what wins the event? Jund. Just, just wait until you guys discover combo with interaction in it. Combo with a mana drain, yeah. Uh, my mana drain pulled pulled like a lot of a lot of work that that um, uh, event. I got to, got to do some draining for like two mana, and I'm like, well, I'm on storm, and those two mana are exactly what I need to win. <laughs> um, Hello, ma- free yeah. dark ritual. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mana drain just doing doing the things that it shouldn't be doing. <laughs> it's it's not playing in control decks. Um, but the, yeah, the, right. it was really funny to see Jund. So this, the fairest of the fair, you know, we have a Snow White um, deck uh, just going like Thoughtseize, uh, Scavenging Ooze, your like piece that you need to win with and just winning, winning the event. Like, so congrats to Liam for just taking Very it down nice. with reliable decks, reliable fair mid-range. Very nice. All right. Well, um, at that point, I think... We're pretty much at a close. We're at the 50-minute mark, so good length. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, I'd encourage you, if you haven't already, to join the Discord. I'll actually try and remember to put a link to it in the show notes this time, mm-hmm. which I keep threatening threatening to do and not actually doing. Um, but Discord's a great place to come and see some of these metagame stats that we're talking about, um, chat with other people about your decks. Um, I would love for some of those newer players who um, were talking about the podcast uh, with me at the event to come and join and uh, show off their decks for people to give them advice um, or discuss them or for them to give other people advice that'd be awesome um, we also in the lead up to the pointing which is when's the next points early September yeah like Whenever the 10th I think yeah about then um, we we have a, a competition to see who can you know uh, predict what the points changes are going to be um, I also put together some points change bingo cards, although I think after the weekend I'm going to change the free square from Minsk and Boo gets a point to the ring gets a point, but, you know. <laughs> Minsk is uh, still fine. It's fine. That's still a free space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can, a, can a bingo card be made up of all free spaces? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so, so do that. Um, social media-wise, podcast is still not really anywhere. Um, I'm still vaguely on Twitter. I've recently joined Blue Sky. Who knows uh, what will happen with any of those, uh, whether Twitter's name will change again and we'll all ignore it. Sav, where's the best place for people to find you if they want to have a chat? Uh, private message. Private message is the best way to contact me. I'm like very, very inactive on social media. So uh, just find me. My I think my profile is is visible uh, on Facebook. Just look look me up. No one else has my name. Uh, so so look me up and send me a, a PM. I'm always happy to talk about, um, you know, deck ideas and brews and that kind of stuff. That that That's uh, the fun, the fun stuff. <laughs> Uh, and Michael, where can people best find uh, you? Discord's probably the best way to get me. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm on there all the time. Uh, if you're not looking at me specifically, if you just like make noise in the Discord, I'll probably respond to you because that's where I'm present. <laughs> um, so, what, uh, my, what my opinion? Just, just shout out to the Discord. You'll get it for free. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So yeah, that's where you can find us. Um, I'll mention also last... tournament reports. You can go onto the uh, the oh, seven yeah. point homepage because I think in a couple of these we've mentioned particular events and so if you're kind of like where was that event or what was it doing what was a top eight uh you can find everyone's deck lists in the top eight uh on 7ph.com.au yeah and um which is a good point uh, if you're running an event big or small uh the committee and people in general would love for you to go onto that website and make a little tournament report um because it just helps them see you know, results and events from other areas that they might not otherwise see um, so that they can see things like, oh, this Queensland proxy event had uh, a number of people playing Time Vaults, which hasn't been getting a lot of play in the other states. Um, that's an interesting, you know, side fact. So all of that kind of thing, really helpful. So yeah, jump on there, jump on the Discord. Um, otherwise, come to events and, you know, you'll see some of us there. Um, I... The next big event that I'm aware of is Pog is running a uh, event in Melbourne in the beginning of November um, to celebrate uh, Pat's birthday. Pat, who just ran the, the Canberra and has run uh, some events in Sydney as well recently. So check that out. There should um, be an event at the next RC as well, which will be around yeah. the same time, I think end of October. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah. And yeah that'll yeah, be, that'll be in be... Sydney, but... There tend to be events at RCs and such. Uh, and if you're not in Australia and you're playing the format, um, again, we'd also really love to hear from you. Um, there's quite a few people in the Discord now from uh, North America in particular. Um, so there's probably starting to get some clusters where uh, if people got together, you could actually have um, some in-person events with people, which would be uh, awesome to hear about. Uh, and webcam events, uh, webcam games. You can yeah. always get yeah. webcam games with people uh, all over the place. So make sure you check yeah, that yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. The Discord is very good for that as well, for webcam games and arena games. Um, but we've talked for about seven minutes after we said we were going to stop, so um, now we're going to stop. Thanks for listening. Bye. See ya. Thanks, everyone. And that's a wrap. Okay, definitely save this video.